2: And we're coming to you live from the Billy C. Studios in Lake George, New York. I'm Bill Caligero, and it's time for the Billy C. Show. Good morning, good day, good evening. Whenever you listen, whenever you're watching, I hope you're doing okay. Uh, Today's show is being brought to us in part by Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria and Italian Restaurant, located on St. Simons Island in Georgia. Check out the website, www.salsneighborhoodpizzeria.com. Or give my man a call, 912-268-2328, 912-268-2328. Find out why I go all the way to St. Simons for an authentic Italian meal. Today's show is also being brought to us in part by the Holiday Inn and all their properties, including the Holiday Inn Express. If you're going to be traveling someplace, make sure you stay at the Holiday Inn Express. We can get you a discount. That's right. Call our toll fee number, 844-603-0364. Again, toll free, 844 603 Get a Billy C. discount on your next stay at any Holiday Inn property. Hey, you can't remember the number? Don't worry about it. Just visit the website, billycboxing.com, and click on the banner. And finally, today's show is being brought to us in part by my book, Tom Molino, From Bondage to Baddest Men on the Planet, is available right now where all good books are sold. You can get a copy of this book right now while you're watching or listening to the show. Uh, just visit bondsnoble.com or amazon.com. Find out why I'm so adamant about getting Tom Molino's story told. Want a signed copy? Visit the website, click the book, no problem. Um, a lot of stuff to talk about today. Uh, We're scheduled to have Larry Hazard join us a little bit, Boxing Hall of Fame and New Jersey Boxing Commissioner. i got some questions for him concerning uh, not only his thoughts on uh, some fights from this past weekend, but some commission rules and some scoring issues, so uh, we'll be talking to him about that. Now, we may or may not be doing our Blast from the Past. Now, why, you probably ask yourself, why, Billy? Why won't we do the Blast from the Past? Well, the reason why is because uh, Alex, my man Alex Papali, uh, and where he lives... Uh, that area uh, south of us here got hit s- with a storm. It sounds similar to the storm I got hit with last week, and they're without power. So uh, if he got it, regained his power, we will have him on to do the blast from the past. Uh, this week uh, scheduled uh, is uh, James Scott. Uh, if we don't get to the blast of the past, don't worry, we'll do it next week. That's all. We'll just do it next week. Uh, but uh, one of the things I wanted to talk about uh, to kick off the show is uh, Canelo Alvarez, uh, he announced officially yesterday that he has signed on to do the anti-doping, uh, the VADA anti-doping testing, uh, you know, all year round. And, you know, he's jumping for joy. He, he's expecting all kinds of pats on the back, you know, that he finally signed up for this. My question is, is, why did it take so long? I mean, he wasn't going to be granted a rematch unless he entered the clean boxer program uh, designed by the WBC. Now, if you recall, he said he didn't care about the WBC program. Uh, Prior, not you know during the uh, PED scandal, he was uh, mad at them for uh, uh, stripping him of the title when he wouldn't fight the mandatory, which at that time was Triple G. Said he'll never fight for a WBC belt again, uh, et etc. Cetera, et cetera. When uh, the WBC, uh, you know, created their clean boxing program, clean boxer program, I should say, um, and they publish a list of who's signed up and who's not. In other words, if you're not signed up, they won't uh, you know, grant you the ability to uh, fight for their title. Well, Canelo refused, and now all of a sudden he's signed up. It, 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 to me, a flag should go up. I mean, why was the guy refusing? You know, this is the same guy that Oscar De La Hoya continues to make like he's been the victim in all of this when Triple G, in fact, was the victim. And uh, now he signs up and is expecting everyone to pat him on the back. Uh, I, I don't know what to think. Joining me right now to let us know what he thinks
3: is uh, Sal Rocky Senacola. What's up, Sal? Hey, man. I just want to say good morning and, and congratulations to Canelo Alvarez. That's uh, that's something, him coming forth like that. And, uh, hey, why not? I'm being facetious. Um, I figured that I think out. that it's good that uh, I know he's trying to make every effort he can to uh, – clean himself up or to, to try to appear that there was no uh, wrongdoing on his part. And, uh, I mean, in his position, that's the only thing he can do, really, I mean, to win back the graces of his fans and supporters and uh, people all around that have doubts. So I think he's doing what he should do in the press, and, uh, and uh, I can't blame him or down him for that. I just blamed him and downed him to be in a position he's in by eating that that tainted beef as he did in Mexico, you know? Yeah, no, I don't. That's what he claimed. So I
2: guess you believe that. Um, he, let, let me, let me give you some quotes. I I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't understand. Um, I don't understand how, you know, what you're saying. I mean, it's, it, it almost sounds like, well, let, let me read this because I, I, I'm, I don't want to assume. Okay. This is from, uh, his promoter, basically a comment from, uh, Triple G's team, they said, I think it's the right thing to do, especially for somebody who has been proclaiming that he was innocent, Uh, basically saying what you just said, you know, because he ate tainted beef. That's what uh, Canelo and Oscar have been maintaining this whole time, which most of us, including myself anyway, uh, don't believe. Uh, He says uh, Triple G has been clear and that would have been no problem continuing to be tested through the fight of uh, September. Uh, and he expected the same from Canelo. So this is a step in the right direction. Uh, basically, Triple G never tested positive, is, has no problem being tested from now until the fight, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. He says it would have been, now this is uh, um, uh, uh, Loeffler, uh, Tom Loeffler, Triple G's promoter. He says it would have been a requirement in order to make this rematch meaning that Canelo had to be signed up for for the VADA uh, testing. He says, but they never balked at doing it. It was a matter of when it would start, when he said he'd start testing, when the contract was signed. That raised flags. But really, if he's being tested now, there's no issues. This was a good step. Uh, My point here, Sal, is that if you recall – Oscar De La Hoya said, well, we'll be tested from now until the fight. We got no problems, no problems. But yet he has yet to be tested since he failed uh, the, the the blood test. Now, he did put his hair follicle test. We all know that. Uh, but he has since not been tested by Vada. And then to make a statement that I'll start my testing after the contract is signed, that does raise a red flag. I, I, I'm sorry. I, I can't. I think that Canelo, all evidence kind of points at this guy knowing what he did. I, I
3: mean, you, you don't think so? No, I, I of course I do think so. What I'm trying to do is what, he's, what he and his team are trying to do, it's called damage control. They messed up, and he messed up, and he's got to take the necessary steps now to try to right the ship. So he should be very forthcoming in saying, hey, I'm here, Can you test me anytime, I'm clean? And that's what I'm trying to say, Bill, uh, to be to be blunt about it. He he wronged the system and himself and he got caught. And now he's trying to do whatever he can do for damage control purposes. And I can't blame him for that. But the bottom line is, you know, he shouldn't have stuck his hand in the fire. Because, you know, what happens when you stuck your hand in the fire? You get burned. You get burned. Yeah. Hey, you know, that's
2: I, good. You know <laughs> the, the thing is, the, the thing is, is this. And I've said this all along. If. Canelo would have just said, hey, you know, I, I made a mistake. I messed up. You know I, you know, I don't want to make an excuse, but I ate tainted beef. No. <laughs> if he would have just said, if he would have just said, I tested positive. It'll never happen again. I'm not sure how it happened, but it happened. You know, it's be a man. Stand up. You know, take the shot. You know, he's a fighter. He should be able to take a shot on the chin and move forward. But I think that the the way and the route that they chose to take where, you know, they blame it on somebody else, once again, uh, not being held accountable for your own actions, you know, blames it on the meat, you know, uh, uh, refuses to, to even show up to the hearing in, in Nevada. All those things point to arrogance and, and thinking, you know, he who he is and, and all these things. And then somehow Oscar De La Hoya coming back saying that, you know, it's it's outrageous. He used the word outrageous. No, he used the word ridiculous, that he felt it was ridiculous that people were so outraged about Canelo testing positive. And he tried to downplay it. And then since then, he's twisted it to make it seem like Canelo's the victim here. And went as far as, uh, you know, I'm just getting you caught up on some of the things we talked about the last two days. Yeah. Get, uh, and then he went as far as saying that... If, if uh, Triple G doesn't sign, then Canelo doesn't need him. He's going to go find somebody else. I I mean, I, you know, all of that to me sounds nothing less than arrogance. And, you know, I, I don't know. They're they're like deflecting the blame to Triple G, who was the, the... I think Triple G is the 100% victim here.
3: Well, of course he is. Because, he, you know, it was a big payday. It was a great fight. It was a rematch. It was a great fight in the making. And, of course, it was... Uh, it dissipated and no longer available to happen and and, and, and unless uh, they clean up their act not they being uh, triple G but they being canelo his camp and and you know it could have been deflected and on so many different levels as well I mean he could have ex- exactly just done what I thought might have been his story having a nutritionist or somebody in his camp uh, uh, adhering to a certain vitamin regiment or or something else and 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 him unknowingly uh uh ingesting some some uh some form of whatever he did and you know who, who knows there could have been a million different things how he could have portrayed it other than how he did and uh or painted a picture other than how he did so yeah there is accountability issues there is uh definitely going forward some issues and credibility and uh that's why i see him wanting to do the vada and things like that to to make sure that he uh is going to be clean and uh that's a big thing that's a real big thing and I think that uh, that's why a lot of the fans and a lot of boxing people will look at him differently and with a little suspicion had he come forthright and clean and forward and, and said something like uh, hey maybe maybe uh, my, my new vitamin regiment or something else I didn't know what I was taking exactly you know but uh, if, if this is what it showed then I'm, I'm, I'm changing my my, uh, my nutritional habits and everything else who knows I mean it could have been done uh, it's not. It is where it is, and of course, we'll just uh, point fingers at the fat cow that he ate. What kind of shoes you got on? You you got uh you got sneakers.
2: You got you got. Uh, I got waiting ha- boots. waiting boots. Yeah, <laughs> I got waiting boot. yeah. Wading boots. Yeah, on. you do. Yeah, you I'm do. A, you I definitely do because it's getting pretty deep in there, Sal. I was gonna say either that or you're wearing dancing shoes. Because let me ask you a question. All right. I'm going to put it in pizza perspective. This is a pee- pee-pee <laughs> right here. I'm putting it in pizza perspective. If you and or somebody at your facility made a pizza and delivered it to a table and somebody, and somebody, and uh, somebody, uh, this would never, ever, ever, ever happen at no, Sal's but yeah, restaurant, but I'm using this as an <laughs> example, okay, boys yeah. and girls, so so yeah. make sure you understand. I want to make myself clear. This would never happen at Sal's place, but it's it's a... It's a, an analogy, okay? So Sal, somebody makes a pizza, they deliver it to a customer, and uh, there's clearly they see a, a creature in the uh, in the pizza. A bug is in the pizza, okay? And they call you over and they complain about it, and they say, "Hey, Sal, uh, there's a bug in my pizza." Now let, let me ask you a question. Would you just see the bug and say, oh, my God, you know, and and do something? Or would you say, uh, now, uh, I don't know how that bug got in there. Uh, You know, really, to tell you the truth, uh, you know, it's not a bug. Uh, It's something. I I mean, come on. Wouldn't you just, the the point here is wouldn't you just own up to it, deal with the consequences, you know, replace the food, uh, give them a credit, uh, do something like that rather than deflect it and blame it on the customer. Hey, you sure that bug didn't drop out of your beard? You sure that the, you didn't bring that in? Were well, you sure it wasn't on your own? You know what I'm saying?
3: Bugs come in pocketbooks. For many <laughs> <times>. <laughs> whatever, whatever, whatever. <laughs> Let me tell you something, Bill. I get the picture and the analogy. And, uh, of course, you know, I would, number one, apologize. And, number two, replace it with a brand new pizza and number three I'd probably even buy their dinner and just a, and just uh, make sure that they are happy and satisfied with my actions taken and uh, I know where you're going with this and, and sure it would have been the same thing if Canelo owned up to it and said hey this is what happened I'm, I'm, I'm sorry I'm, I'm, uh, I'll make sure going forward that this does not have ever happen again
2: yeah, you know my point. That's what you're looking for. Is no, no, right my answer? my my point is is that you you would have remedied it, and ninety nine point nine yeah. nine nine percent of the time, the customer would have been okay with it. Hey, I, you know they made a mistake. Oh, yeah. We've been coming here; this yeah. food is great. You know, yeah. and they and they don't yeah. leave and they stay and everything's cool. The mistakes happen; people make mistakes. That's my point. You know, if Canelo would have manned up and said whatever, didn't even make an excuse that I tested positive. I'm ready to pay the price. Right and 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 face those consequences, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Instead of doing what he did, and now this whole Vada. Oh, guess what? I signed up for Vada. Hey, guess what? You had to. You know, and why didn't you sign up before? Why were you so anti-signing up for Vada? Listen, the more this drags out, and the more that he's just not manning up, to me, points to blame at Canelo that he knowingly did it. And that he's he, he's not manning up.
3: It's a problem for me, Sal. It's a problem. Well, I know, Bill, and and I think that you know he's going to try and sweep it under the rug and go on the best way he can. And like I said, this would have been already history if uh, if maybe he did acknowledge something and and uh, uh, and just say, hey, going forward, you'll never see this from me again. Right. And, uh, you would have been you know, able he'd... to. You would have been able to forgive him, right? Yeah, you, you, he would have probably got some more sympathetic uh, uh, ears and, and and probably say, hey, well, at least he's owning up and he, he's manning up to it. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it is what it is. Like I said, I, I'm not in his camp. I couldn't direct him or tell him what to do. And uh, obviously his camp decided to go take another route. And um, will he get past this? Probably a year from now we'll be talking about it. He'll be fighting, and we'll just say, do you remember when? Uh, yes, because everything will happen and it'll be the forefront of the story until the next big story hits. And, uh, you know, that that's that that's bound to happen next couple of months anyway. So so but the bottom line is, yeah, it could have been handled a lot differently. It wasn't. So now he's doing damage control and uh, to to get by as best he can to uh, to have the future credibility issues taken care of.
2: It's backfiring for him. It really is. Um, Before I move on, I I just want to give a a thanks and a shout-out to my man Johnston. Just gave us a super chat. We love those super chats. Uh, And by the way, uh, uh, they're important to us. So uh, you know, if you're over on our YouTube chat room, uh, hook us up with a super chat, and we will uh, make you part of the show. Just like Johnston here uh, wants to make his point heard. He says, the Huey Fury versus Sam Sexton fight it took place last weekend. It uh, was for Sam Sexton's Euro title uh, that uh, Huey Fury won. 2.9 million viewers for that fight, Sal. So oh. uh, if, if anybody, you know, I love when people try to say, oh, no, you got to fight in the U.S., you got to fight in the know, you know, you, you got you to do that, uh, otherwise you're not going to make any money. You know, this is why England is doing so well uh, and why they're champions uh, are finding, or I should say world champions are finding that they uh, uh, are very comfortable fighting uh, over in England. But anyway, uh, yeah, this whole Canelo thing has uh, really gotten out of control. Uh, I think what bothers me the most is the lack of accountability that he and Oscar De La Hoya are showing here. They're showing arrogance and that they're above the rules. This is something that I'm very against you know when if if you're a if you're a hunter or a fisherman or something like that I'm all for it as long as you follow the rules you know I don't personally hunt I do fish and I make sure I have a fishing license etc etc you know uh there's a lot of people especially where I live that um you know hunt and they hunt illegally and and I you know I don't like it you know and it's the same In boxing, You know, follow the rules. The rules are made. I don't agree with all the rules, but you got to follow them. Because if we didn't, it's the same thing in society. You know, I don't agree with a stop sign at a place. I don't agree with the circle. I don't agree with a light here and there and everything else. But I got to listen. I got to stop. Otherwise, you cause accidents and everything else. Well, it's the same thing in boxing. You know, the truth of the matter is, is a lot of these rules are uh, made uh, for some stupid reasons. But a lot of them are made for good reasons. And uh, some of them, uh, uh, most of them now, uh, are trying to protect the fighters, especially for performance enhancing drugs. I mean, performance enhancing drugs, you know, give an edge
3: to a fighter. But in this sport, it's in a dangerous way, Sal. Well, it is. And, and like I said, you know, a couple decades ago, and I mentioned it, you know, earlier on the show when this first happened, you know, there were some uh world champions back in the 70s and 80s that uh never knew that their trainer was was uh instead of injecting them in the butt with a b tw- b b uh 12 vitamin as they were told it was a decadarabalin or some come some kind of other steroid and unbeknownst to these fighters they they had no way of even knowing it these were some of the trainers just trying to you know make their fighters stronger or or uh bigger or, or faster whatever whatever it could do and uh and like i said these fighters were never even privy to to uh having this done to them they thought they were just getting a b12 for energy
2: yeah well i i mean you know this particular case it just seems like um it just seems like you know that was just an excuse you know i mean uh he didn't man up, but uh, anyway, hold that thought. We're going to take a short break, and uh, when we come back, I got an email to read, and uh, I got to ask Sal an important question, uh, which we've been talking about all week, and uh, I'm waiting to hear his answer. so uh, don't go nowhere. Billy we will
0: be right back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now, or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, <laughs> That's my face. I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy Billy Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com.
2: And where... Back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C Show. Glad you could be with us. And uh, I don't know, Sal. You know, to tell you the truth, uh, you know, it's hard for me to think that Canelo Alvarez is any kind of a victim here. And it, it, it in all honesty, I, I was a big Canelo fan. I mean, you know, you and me both. No, nah, this just it, 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 it. Just I've lost all respect for him. I, I don't like. You know, if he was a little more humbled, if he would have, you know, been man enough to at least show up to the hearing at at Nevada, even though he got a slap on the wrist, he didn't even show up for that. And then for him to immediately go in for surgery, it just seemed, you know, all of the things with the exception of him losing, uh, you know, up to, you know, 40 million dollars. Uh, everything else seems to have worked out the way they want it and and quite honestly the 40 million dollars he's gonna get anyway in September they're gonna have to fight in September you know that and uh you know he he gets to he gets to uh uh have triple G age another six months uh he gets to you know I, I don't know I just it just I just don't like it at all i it, it everything points in a negative fashion uh, surrounding Canelo and this whole incident, and Oscar, and I've lost a lot of respect for Oscar, who I thought, you know, was was something special, and uh, now, I, you know, he seems like uh, a, a slimeball, crooky type of, you know, promoter. That, that that that's the stereotypical promoter he's become. And Canelo, his big guy, um, you know, if you're gonna cheat, yeah, how do you how
3: do you maintain respect? well you know like i said bill there's a lot of he said she said there's a lot of things here that uh you know if 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 it was a different if it played out differently and if he owned up and if he said going forward you know we we'd be more sympathetic i think a lot of people would be uh that's not the case and and you know he's going to be adamant and stay to stick to his story so you know there can never really be direct blame on that level. If that's his story and he's sticking to it, there's always going to be just the uh, suggestions and the hints and the hypothesis. Well, maybe this is why here and that were there. But uh, the bottom line is the hypotheticals will not never really play out as reality because uh, we'll never know. And and uh, it is what it is. And now we just got to go on. And you are so correct. The fight should take place and will take place September. Uh, or one year after the initial fight took place. And I just hope that Triple G is as pumped up and as uh, uh, full of uh, something in vinegar to want to get back in the ring and, and show the world that uh, not only did do I think he beat Canelo Alvarez the first time, uh, but I think he'd like to finish that storyline with an exclamation point and maybe do his best to stop him and hurt him. So we'll see. And, you know, it, let's let's say... For all intents and purposes, let's just say, and I'm just saying hypothetically, Canelo Alvarez has been doing this for a little while, maybe, maybe without being known. I'm not suggesting he's been eating these beef-tainted burgers or whatever the heck for a while, but let's just say, and now that it was discovered, and now that he is cleaning up or so, and he's going to be tested, uh, you know, there, there may be a little bit of an issue of a confidence thing there, because when you have a little false bravado here— uh, by knowing that your body's performing maybe a little bit differently as it normally would because you're taking something in place, and now you're no longer taking something in place uh, of of what your body is naturally gifted to do. Well, you know, maybe maybe it's going to say, well, I don't I don't I'm, I don't have the the, the secret little uh, helper with me. You know, I don't know. I'm just giving a hypothetical. I'm giving a whole hypothetical. Because I can't accuse Canelo Alvarez of knowing, and we got to go by his story or listen to his story that it was a tainted burger, tainted beef. But if he knew that this beef was uh, loaded with this stuff and he ate that once a week, well, then you know, I, 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 and he's no longer ingesting that same burger. Ah, you know, it might make a difference in his in his intellectual end or his confidence issues. So we don't know.
2: True, and that's a great point because you know it's like uh, people. They've done studies where, you know, people think they're they're getting a, a pill to do XYZ and they're getting sugar pills and they're performing like they're on the the stuff they it's think they're placebo. getting. It's a placebo. Yeah. Exactly. You know, so effect. So I, and I agree, you know. Um, I think there's um, there's some evidence to, to show that he was a little nervous at Triple G. He was overcautious. I uh, specifically found it funny um, when, you know, uh, Oscar Taylor Hoyer was saying – that Triple G didn't want to fight Canelo because how badly Canelo beat him in the last few rounds of that fight. And I'm saying to myself, <laughs> Later, wait a minute, what we'll fight, we'll fight was he watching? You know, I mean, I think that Canelo clearly won the 12th. He really did. But, oh, he, um, did. He, did. but, but he didn't uh, he didn't dominate the second half of that fight by, by any stretch of the imagination. But uh, hey, Sal, we're, we're going to lose you here for a half hour and then get you back because we're not doing our blast, it seems. But I got to ask you, uh, before we take the break,
1: yes,
2: we didn't get a chance to have you give us your thoughts on Vasily Lomachenko. I mean, uh, get, I mean, I know you went against him, but forget that. Um, what's your What's your thoughts of of Vasiliy Lomachenko, his performance, and I mean, I went as far as saying right now, I, you know, clearly, I think he's pound for pound number one. But if he retired today, all time greatness, I, I'd have him way above. Uh, Manny Pacquiao and Floyd Mayweather, to be honest with you. I, I don't think we've, I, me personally, I don't think I've ever seen a guy uh, as fluid as him. And I think fighters like him only come once every 50 years.
3: Well, uh, well, you just suggested, he's the once every 50 years, like the uh, Sugar Ray Robinson, the Sugar Ray Leonard, the uh, the... The Triple G and 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 maybe the uh Vasily Lomachenko. I mean, Billy, this guy. And did I root against him? No. I I just wanted to see Laniers give him a real competitive fight. I, I thought maybe Laniers having Lomachenko step up for the first time to a lightweight limit and, and Lanier's quick hands, I thought it might have been a different story how it played out. And Laniers did drop him and uh, you know, he just couldn't capitalize on him because Vasily Lomachenko, in my opinion, pound for pound, as an active fighter today, is probably one of the very best out there. Uh, The guy does it all. He personifies the the sweet science on so many levels. He could pop, he's got a punch, but he's got even more than the quickness of a punch being delivered. He's got what they call the kinesthetic sense. He knows where his body is at all times. He knows his action. He knows where he's. He's going to have to be. He anticipates, and he anticipates correctly. He'll faint. He'll counter. He'll be in the pocket. I mean, he did things out there, and here's the thing he did. He did things out there that he displayed with such grace and such ease, he made it look easy. I know. And, and it's not. And that's the whole trick of the matter. He made it look – He made he made the extraordinary look ordinary because it was just so fluid for him to do. And he is such a special fighter. And right now he is on a pathway to becoming one of the best known fighters in the history of boxing. So I agree. He's on a pathway. I agree. I mean, he could be. And, I- and it's a special pathway. And you hear nothing but good things and positive things. And this kid has is, is got all the tools, all the makeup, all the camp, and all the special uh, stories that goes on with a, a future legend. So man, I'm I'm on the uh, Vasily Lomachenko bandwagon, man. I'm big time, big time. Oscar De La Hoya is the one that has all the
2: makeup, but um the truth <laughs> of the, the truth of the matter is is I agree with you 100%. I mean, the way he the way he pivots. I don't think I've ever seen that before. I the way he's able to land some shots then kind of do a a semi circle, half circle pivot where, where his opponent's trying to get out of the way. the opponent tries to go to his right to get out of the way of an onslaught, and Lomachenko's able to pivot over, and, and he's there hitting him again. I mean, it,
3: it was beautiful to watch. Well, it, it's a graceful move, Bill, and it's almost like a jujitsu or wrestling. I mean, I mean, he, he takes his hand, he almost, almost places on his opponent's arm or shoulder, and he spins him by just lightly, gracefully lifting his own feet and shuffling to the side and bam, banging him. And it's a great move, and uh, he does it in such a fluid fashion. That's what I'm saying. He makes the extraordinary look simple and ordinary, which is incredible because that's why it is extraordinary, and that's why he is an extraordinary fighter. How Uh,
2: How about his punching accuracy? His punching, I, I, I mean, I mean,
3: you know, <laughs> you know, I, I'm
2: now, now let me ask you this real quick because then we're <laughs> going to take a break and we'll talk more about Lomachenko because I, I I've, love been, I've been, I, I me too, I, I've been dying to talk to you about it, but, um, you know, uh, the scorecards, and I'm going to be talking to Larry about this. The scorecards, I didn't quite understand. I mean, um, even, even the round that he was dropped in round 6. It was a flash knockdown, but it was a round it, it was he was dropped I mean, it, by
3: all levels of t-
2: You think today, it, was it was a 10-8? 10-8? You
3: really think it was a 10-8? Well, by by the laws and rules of what we adhere to in boxing on the majority level today, judges would have scored that a 10-8 round. They
2: all did, <laughs> but but that's the point that that is wrong because I know, I, if if saying, the fight if that round, if that round was a real close round, um, or even 6040 or or you know even 40 60 uh, with uh, with the you know the one fighter winning the round by you know 60 40 margin. Um, I could see it being a 108 round. But if Lomachenko was winning the round like I thought he was handedly until that punch. remember he was getting so cocky because he was landing so so easily and then all of a sudden it becomes a two point swing. And, and I'm curious to ask Larry what his, what his thoughts are. But, but with that said, I was shocked that the scores were the way they were. I thought that this fight was clearly leading to a draw. Well, I, because you had one judge scoring the round for, uh, up, up to the ending there for Lomachenko. One had it for Linares. And one had it even. And it sounds like they were following that path to the end. And we would have been, uh, and a draw, you know, so no, nobody, uh, you know, loses. But Sal, hold that thought. Uh, we are going to come back to you after Larry's segment. We'll get some more thoughts uh, from uh, you on that fight and also uh, Mugaya's uh, destruction over Saddam Ali. So uh, we'll get back to Sal in uh, a few. We're going to take a short break now. We're scheduled to have uh, Larry Hazard join us, so uh, don't go anywhere else. Billy C will be right back. Hey, fight fans, check out KOFantasyBoxing.com. KO fantasy Boxing is boxing's only trademarked fantasy game. Check it out, www.KOFantasyBoxing.com. Select your own gym, your own fighters, track them through a season that can last from three months to a year, depending upon which league you join. you got to check this out, man, www.KOFantasyBoxing.com. Join it today. Again, www.KOFantasyBoxing.com. And tell him Billy C. sent ya.
0: Now back to Talkin' Boxing with Billy C., the only radio host man enough to take a punch from Mike Tyson.
2: Wait a minute, man. Hold hold, hold on there. Jeremy, man, uh, I need you to take this one, all right? Wait,
0: what? What? No way. I I can't do
2: this. Need I remind you I'm Billy C., damn it? Now put on that mustache and get in there.
0: Hey, hey, look at me. I'm Billy C. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the undisputed heavyweight champion of Boxing Talk Radio. It's talking Boxing with Billy C. Now back to Billy, Billy C. C. Interact with the show at billycboxing.com.
2: And where... You're watching and listening to The Billy C Show. Glad you could be with us. And speaking about being with us, joining us right now, Boxing Hall of Famer and New Jersey Boxing Commissioner, Larry Hazard. Good morning, Larry.
1: Good morning.
2: How you doing, brother?
1: Oh, hey. Hey. I had a sick day yesterday. I caught a cold. I went to, uh, my granddaughter graduated from college, and I went down to Virginia and I must have got some of that southern southern germs. <laughs> <laughs> either
2: either that or either that or you were you you were uh, subject to some young kids. Yeah, you those kids that are like eight years old and younger—they're carriers, man. You know, and uh, you go near them and you get sick. You know.
1: I'm telling you, so I'm okay. Everything's cool now. Yeah.
2: All right, man. Here we go. I got some stuff to talk to you about, man. I've been, I, I almost called you because I, I was like, I can't even wait for Wednesday. But, uh, all right, first and foremost, um, let's talk about Vasily Lomachenko. Uh, I, before I say anything, what was your thoughts on the fight?
1: Well, I, I, I thought that he, uh, he's, he looks to have the full package. I mean, I'm very cautious about going overboard. Because I saw some vulnerabilities that Linides, um showed he could be penetrated he's you know I don't I don't put him up there with with all the uh, great ones from the past era not yet but he certainly he's certainly on his way I got to give uh, got to give him the credit he uh, he got off the cameras and he took care of business that's the sign of a champion you know he got. You know, that, that old southpaw catcher, that straight right hand. And he wasn't even hit on the chin. It was a body shot to show you how vulnerable southpaws are to the right hand. And he, I guess he got a little lax in his movement, and he got caught. But uh, I thought he put in a, a good performance. I thought the fight actually could have been stopped a little earlier. It looked, or at least the commentators made it appear, as though there was some disagreement between the referee and the doctor, which I tell all of my referees, you don't—they never um, oppose a doctor's uh, decision. But I heard the referee give it to the doctor. He said, uh, "Make the call, doc," or something to that nature, which is something that I—I I don't recommend. The referee should know when a fight should be stopped. So I think they did take a little gamble with Lenati's letting him come out because as you see it didn't last very long after he did come out I thought that um, you know they would have stopped it in the corner because he was just totally outclass at that point but he held his own up until then and uh, I thought the fight could have been a little bit closer at the time because I gave uh, Leonardis a little bit of credit for some work that he put in but Lomachenko um, I think we got the full package there. That's my overall assessment. You know, I think he's got, he, he has an abundance of skills. He's got that movement. He knows how to utilize the ring. And he's tough. And he appears to be in good condition when he comes in. So we'll see how far he goes. So that's my assessment.
2: Well, normally you and I agree 100%. And I think we're on a, about an 85% agreement. First of all, I think the the uh, fight you were talking about where the refs brought in the doctor and was really upset – was the Mugaya Ali fight because? I'm the, sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. That's the that's one. I I'm pretty sure that, that, that that's the one where the that's he the one, that's because the it, one. they remember the doctor even was in the ring. They had both doctors yes, inside yes, the, the ring, ring, you know. And I'm like, wait a minute, you know. But anyway, and I, I thought that's maybe that fight was taking place in Russia. You know how that goes. But uh, but back to Lomachenko, I. I'm already. I, I guess you're, you're smarter than me to to be a little more cautious before you you're you're letting the accolades fly. I, I've already let them fly, and it may result in you know the old foot going in the mouth. But I really don't think we've seen a, a guy like Lomachenko in the past 50 years. I, I just what I see in this guy. And and you make some great points. He's always in shape. He never seems to tire. He's He's got a mean streak in him, just enough. You know, he's got flash in him, just enough. Um, he gets the job done. His hand speed is, is there. His accuracy is there. Even when a fighter has the defense, the guard up, he's splitting the guard. He's, he's got a full arsenal. I mean, he throws every punch that you could throw. And, you know, he does it so fluidly. One of the best things I love about this guy is his ability to pivot um, in between a punch. And his opponents are trying to get out of his way. And he's already there. I I mean, you have to define that as ring generalship. I don't know, man. I think we got the real package here with Vasily Lomachenko. You know, he clearly was fighting a guy bigger than him. Uh, and you know a guy that had some pop. There's no question about it. Linares ha- has some pop, and he did connect. Um, the only w- punch that really connected with him was that one in the sixth round that dropped him. That connected somewhat hard. It didn't seem to hurt Lomachenko. It, it was it, it was it, no the, the the punch that uh, that dropped him was square right in the face. It was uh, straight. Uh, he remember he was walking straight in the body. The body shot was uh, was Lomachenko knocked out. Linares with the body shot, the hook to the body, but okay. but but okay. The, the 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 punch that dropped Lomachenko in the sixth round was Lomachenko was was not he wasn't showing any any fear and he just walked straight in and Linares just popped him boom right in the face and it kind of kind of just knocked him off his feet and he he jumped up he wasn't hurt but which brings me to the question and maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong here but I thought. I thought that that Lomachenko was was winning this fight um, hands down. And the reason why I thought it is because Linares was landing punches. But when he would land a punch, it seemed like Lomachenko, for the most part, except that one that dropped him, were grazing him. You know, he was turning his... They weren't landing as flush as Lomachenko's on Linares, which brings us to that round six. All three judges scored that round 10-8. And I couldn't wait to ask you because in my on my card I had Lomachenko winning that round easily until the, the knockdown. So would the proper way to do that in 10-7. 10-7. Seven, seven. Uh, no, not ten no 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 no. I'm talking about the uh, the, the round that Lomachenko got knocked down. Oh, okay. they they okay. scored they scored that round 10-8 in favor of Linares but i thought Lomachenko was winning that round easily until the knockdown so does that become in your opinion should have they either way Linares wins the round but should it have been a 10-9 should have been a 9-9 do you do you score the winning round first say okay 10-9 goes to the winner now let's deduct for knockdowns or points so would it have been 9-9 that, that that's my question
1: well, well, you know, we've discussed this scoring theory many times, okay? Lomachenko is winning the round handily, okay? He's winning the round. So if the bell rang at that point without him getting knocked down, if you really using the points properly and he's winning the round handily, the score would have been like a 10-8 in his favor because 10-9s are supposed to be for close rounds, okay? So he gets knocked down, and nothing other than the knockdown took place, and then when he got up, he still held his own, so that knockdown should should not swing the round all the way over the other way. That's been the argument here on what judges do, and I, I think that uh, that round could have still been like a 10-9 round, okay, in favor of Lomachenko, even though he got knocked down. That's my point. That's, you know, that's you know, that's not a popular belief among judges now, because they give so much credit to a knockdown that they go all the way over to the other side, even when a fighter has been kind of handily losing the fight, Uh, losing in the round, they swing it all the way over to that fighter's favor only because he scored a knockdown, which I think is not, not the right way to do it.
2: Yeah, you know, like I, I I I agree with you. I You know, my thoughts were that he was winning that round. Now, with all due respect, I did score two rounds for Linares. I did give him that sixth round. I didn't yeah. feel it was a 10-8 round. I thought he won you know, ten nine. I I felt that he won the round because of the knockdown. But up until that knockdown, Lomachenko was winning the round. E- you know, handedly, I thought. You know, I mean, I I easily was going to score that ten nine for for Lomachenko until the
1: knockdown. Well, then well, I was I was going to score a ten eight for Lomachenko, and then I was given the extra point to Linares, okay, for knocking him down.
2: Oh, which. Okay.
1: You see my point? Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. You, you thought that the domination of the round was so... Absolutely. Right, okay. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. Yeah, well, Well. you know, if you, if you follow that train of thought, you could see exactly what, what happened with Lomachenko, and, and he, he was a victim of his own doing because he got so cocky because he was so successful landing the punches yeah. that he walked straight in. He disregarded Linares ability all out and he, and he paid yeah. for it by getting knocked on his butt. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then the following, <clears throat> so I scored that round for Linares and then the following round, Lomachenko was respecting Linares and kind of stayed away from him and I scored that round for Linares, but that's it. And then fast forward to to the stoppage and then at the time of the stoppage One judge had it 86-84 for Lomachenko, which I thought was a little too close. The other one had it 86-84 for Linares. And the third, which happened to have been Julie Letterman, scored it 85-85. And I said to myself, oh, my God, this fight was going to be a draw. They were setting this fight up for a draw. Isn't
1: that ridiculous?
2: Isn't that ridiculous? well, Well, a draw would have made everybody walk out of there a winner, right? And and I, I you know, it bothers me to even be in a position that, and 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 granted, scoring is subjective, we get it, right? But to have it like this, really painted a picture. Thank God that Vasily Lomachenko took the scorecards out of these guys' hands and ended the fight the way he did. Uh because other than that, I think this fight was headed for a draw, Larry.
1: And I'm not and I'm not gonna I'm gonna be relentless in in my pursuit of making this point okay uh, when the judges and, and what you had there you had so-called three um, world-class judges who seem like they get to do all of the, you know you know them I know them they get to do all of the major um, um, fights You see the same judges over and over and over, okay? And it's no big deal. It's no big secret, okay? And that's what galls me to no end. They are setting the pace for all of these other up-and-coming judges who rarely get the opportunity. They rarely get the opportunity to score or to judge some of these major events, okay? And who possibly can change that whole paradigm in the scoring that's going on. There is not enough usage of the points in boxing. Every round, 10-9, 10-9, when the rules clearly state that if a round is not close, then it should be 10-8. That's why you got 10 points. And if they had used, just simply used, a more lenient approach to the scoring, the points, there wouldn't have been any question that Lomachenko would have won that fight, even by a larger margin, because most of the rounds that he won, he won very handily. They weren't close. If you go back and, and examine those scorecards, I'm willing to bet you that you rarely saw a 10-8 round, even when, when it was given to 10 109 you rarely saw whether anyone gave him a 10 8 round without score him scoring a knockdown and that's been my point and I'm going to be relentless in making that point
2: well I'm with you and you know even the commentators and you you and I have talked about this many times they they sway the opinion they and they were all like well you got to score that 109 there was a knockdown and and even even Sal just said a, a few moments ago, that uh, you know, well, a knockdown is automatic ten eight, uh, you know, because that's the way you know he w- wasn't saying he felt that, but he was saying that's what the judges do, and it's a shame that's because they they all do. And in that particular case, it was it became a uh, a two point swing, but uh, uh,
1: that's the point,
2: right, right, and and you know that could very easily have been one of the reasons why that fight seemed so close uh, yes. at that point. And they obviously gave uh, Linares uh, another couple of rounds, which I didn't, you know, agree with. But uh, in any event... Now, uh, I, I just can't wait for Lomachenko. You know, the the thing I like about this guy is... You know, he wants to prove he's the best, and he's doing it the way the old-time fighters used to. There's, there's only one way to prove it. You could fight. say you're the best. You could you could say, oh, I, I don't need to fight this guy because I know I could beat him. You could say that all day long, and you could have all your fans agreeing with you. But at the end of the day, Larry, you know as well as I, the only way to do it is to do it and to get in the ring. And, you know, and and he was clearly the smaller guy. I, I actually am and one of the guys that don't want to see him uh you know, continue to fight these bigger guys. Like, you know, there's a lot of talk about him fighting Mikey Garcia. And I think Mikey Garcia might be too big for him. But, hey, more power to him if he keeps doing this. And great fighters do great things, right?
1: Yeah, well, you know, I'm getting, you know, you get such a a deluge of fights on the same night. I I, I got those fights a little confused there, okay? But I'm glad you brought that up. That's what happened to Saddam uh, Ali. You know, he took on a little bit too much in that fight. Okay, and I got those two fights mixed up. But you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right uh, with um, Lomachenko. But I think Lomachenko is headed for a collision course with this kid, Javante Davis. Um, I think that that's the, the course that they're on. And that's going to be an interesting bout when it happens.
2: That's the fight I want to. See. That's the fight I want to see because I love Javante Davis. He he looked he looked uh, you know he he looked fantastic in his last fight. As long as he uh, you know keeps uh, keeps on the on the on the upswing, yeah. uh, I think that uh, I think that he and, and Lomachenko definitely is the fight. Um, that's a big fight. That's you know. a big. Um, let's talk real quick about the uh, uh, Saddam Ali mugaya fight. You know yeah. a lot of a lot of criticism on that fight. and i and I'm with you about the the judge, uh, I mean the uh, referee. Uh, he should have just made that call himself. Um, right. Saddam Ali. and I was really disappointed in the corner. I was never a big fan of Andre Rozier, the trainer, although I did give him accolades after uh, the last uh, uh, Daniel Jacobs fight because I thought that he he did a really good job. but then yeah. he 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 went back to normal in this fight because, you know, he's begging the, the referee. The referee went over at that time and wanted to stop the fight in a corner. He begged the referee not to. That's when he had the doctor step in the ring and and yeah. do the inspection. But, um, you know, I, I, I was shocked that he was so tough for his fighter. You know, oh, no, he's the champ. Give him another round. This was a guy that was having trouble walking. He didn't look right after that first round, Larry. He just didn't. The look on his face, his actions— He did look a little pudgy around the midsection, but uh, and and Mungaya, no disrespect to him, yeah, he was big and he was powerful, but he was awfully slow. Uh, He had no defense. Um, uh, You know, I can't see him really. I I don't know. I I I don't know enough about him. But Saddam Ali, uh, I would have been concerned for him early in that fight. I don't know if I would have let him out after this after that first round. To be honest with you,
1: well, I don't even know why they took that fight you know, I I, I thought, you know, I said, this is a dangerous fight for this guy, okay, because, well, maybe because of my own, I was being subjective, because honestly speaking, you know, I never thought that much of Saddam Ali, and the fact that he won that title, he beat a washed-up Cotto, okay, Miguel Cotto was washed up by the time he beat him, and he didn't do an overwhelming uh, job of that, you know, but... Um, I, I thought that that was a dangerous fight for him uh, because I had seen Mungia fight before, and I just felt that was a... And then the size differential. You know, the guy, he had no regard for Ali's uh, power or anything. He just walked right through him, you know, and, and you're absolutely right. After that first, second round, I mean, I knew that fight was over, and I, I was very disappointed in the referee by just relinquishing, um, you know, his authority to stop the fight. That's why you're there, to protect the health and safety fighters. And, and, and this referee, Richie Gonzalez, uh, in my opinion, is a decent referee. He's an up-and-coming, uh, you know, no, younger guy coming up. And uh, I was just a little disappointed in him, you know, just inserting his authority and stopping the fight. The doctor wasn't going through uh, overrule him once he did it, independently of himself. But I I just thought that Salam Ali, you know, and and I really think that that fight has the potential of having ruined uh, Ali. Yeah. You know, I I think it's going to be difficult for him to come back after that fight.
2: I think you're right. I think you're 100% right. And, um, you know, uh, that, that fight, as far as Mugaya... What what really makes and, and I know you I know you can't really respond to this, but I'm going to say it anyway. It really makes uh, uh, I won't even mention his name, but the Nevada State Athletic Commission look bad because they said the reason they didn't approve Mugaya for Triple G was that he wasn't experienced enough. And um, number one, he goes on and and does what he did to Saddam Ali. Number two, he looks so big and strong. And then, you know, the the other fact is that they approved Conor McGregor, who never fought, you know. So, I, you know, I just think that that was a political move. And, uh, I, you know, I wonder uh, what they're thinking now, you know, because uh, they do look kind of bad. And, and I love that Mugaya thanked the Nevada State Athletic Commission for refusing his fight with Triple G and opened up the opportunity for him to uh, fill in uh, for uh, uh, for for him to fight Saddam Ali. Um, my last thing for you, Larry, is a commission rule question. Um, I've been talking about uh, uh, Oscar De La Hoya and uh, Canelo Alvarez. I, I've really been turned off. I, for, let me say this. I was always a huge fan of Oscar De La Hoya. I've supported him uh, as a fighter and, and as a promoter. and you know he, He's really clearly an all-time great. Never ducked anyone, et cetera, et cetera. But over the last couple of years, as strictly a promoter, he's he's turned into that stereotypical, you know, uh, sleazy uh, promoter, never, you know, uh, being held accountable. This whole uh, thing with Canelo and the and the PEDs and how he's trying to twist it and make Canelo look like the victim and all of that, it's, it's, it's sickening to me. However, correct me if I'm wrong, okay? Now, I, I'm going by what I know of with the New York State Athletic Commission rules, Uh, You know, I was a licensed promoter in several states. New York is my home state, and I was a licensed promoter there. And I know that once, at least by New York State rules, when a fighter is on suspension, when a fighter gets suspended, what that is defined in the New York State uh, Commission rules is that he's suspended from all boxing activity, meaning that he can't even... Technically, he's not supposed to go into a gym. Uh, and, and in New York, they require uh, boxing gyms to be registered if there's pros there. And the reason is they don't want a pro sparring with an amateur. And by rule, and I've been told this face-to-face, that they are not allowed to even be in a gym. Therefore, uh, you have to assume that they're not training, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, once a suspension is lifted, then they can resume their uh, boxing activities and go on them every way. Well, Oscar De La Hoya made a statement uh, the other day that was uh, basically um, criticizing Triple G for not signing the contract to fight Canelo Alvarez in September. My question to you is signing a contract Considered a boxing activity in your mind? I mean, because as far as the way I read it, that you shouldn't even be offering a contract to a fighter who's on suspension until that suspension is lifted. We don't even know if the guy would test positive again and extend the suspension. So how could you have a contract?
1: Well, it's a, that's a that's that's a tricky that's a tricky question and certainly uh, not me not being a lawyer i really um a contract is simply an agreement uh between uh the promoter and the person in this case of course the fight that you know stipulates certain things um that contract certainly is being signed um with the with the thought that the dates and all of the other agreements they had that that fighter is going to qualify or be qualified to fulfill that contract okay so if the fighter is on suspension um, I don't think that there's any restriction between the promoter. you know I don't think there's any restriction for a fighter to 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 enter into into an agreement with a promoter based on when he comes off suspension. So I I, I don't know. I mean, I would need some legal guidance, but I think that that would kind of suffice to answer your question. I don't think that there's anything wrong with the contracts being signed, okay? But the contracts... Certainly, could not be binding if, in fact, uh, the activity is going to take place during the suspension period. Of course, it wouldn't be binding. Right. So, the contracts would really be, would stipulate, you know, that both fighters, or at least the fighter who's signing the contract, is available to participate. So, if I'm on suspension now and we want to sign a contract, for me to fight 3 months from now and I know that I'm going to be off suspension next month then I there's no problem in that.
2: Right. Okay, as long as there was a as long as there was a line in the contract that said, you know, the stipulation is, you know, that the suspension gets lifted, that there's no positive tests, etc. etc. Oh, yeah, right. yeah, you right. know,
1: that's all going to be in the contract.
2: Right. Okay. So, all right, cool. Thanks for uh, straightening me out on that one, and, but, and, uh, and,
1: and another thing, Billy, another thing, too. I don't know if you know. And, and it might vary from state to state uh, in New Jersey and probably other states. We really, we really don't have that much authority over um, promotional agreements. Uh, managers, most of our authority stops at boxer-manager agreements because I get calls all the time, you know, fighters trying to break their uh promoter's contract. Well, I said, well, a promoter's personal service agreement with the promoter's we we have no jurisdiction over
2: unless, unless unless it was uh, unless the contract was put to the commission, right? So in other words, if the con- if a if a uh, contract whether it be manager or or promoter if it's if it's presented, you know, basically through the commission, then you have authority, right?
1: No, no, we don't, we don't file boxer-promoter contracts. Only boxer-manager. We only uh, enforce boxer-manager agreements, not boxer-promoter. We, we don't have no enforcement authority over boxer-promoter. That might come as a surprise. Yeah. That might come as a surprise to a lot of people.
2: Well, you, the only, So the only promoter-boxer contracts you have authority over is actually the, the, the bout that they're going to be promoting, right? That's all. Right. That's all. Yeah, you see, in New New York, if you put the contract through the commission, then they will help, um, you know, police it in that event. But if you don't, then it's subject to the provisions outlined in the contract. Like like I, I, you know, like our contracts used to say that, um, you know, if there was any dispute that it had to be – handled in the state of new york and in this district the xyz blah 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 so if there was a dispute that you know they couldn't go anywhere else like in other words they couldn't file a dispute in california uh, against you know i'm just saying for my for the, for the way our contracts were worded they couldn't file a dispute in california against us um they would have to fight us in new york you know what i mean so uh, i
1: got you i got so, you
2: but anyway All right, my man. Well, listen, enjoy the fights this weekend, and I hope you're feeling uh, 100% better soon, and uh, we'll chat next week.
1: Okay, Billy. All right, my man. You have a good one. Okay.
2: Take care. That's uh, Larry Hazard giving us uh, his thoughts and uh, straightening me out. That's why I got him on the show, man. I need a guy to straighten me out every now and then. So, uh, listen, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, Sal Rocky Senacola will join me. Uh, We've got some more stuff to talk about. Well, after all, it is a
0: boxing talk show. Billy C. will be right back. Part of the Billy C. Boxing Network. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now. Or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you
1: doing that to my face? I hate you. I
0: hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. He may not have an excellence in broadcasting award, but the night's still young. And he's got martinis. So you never know what may be by morning. morning. It's Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. Now back to Billy Billy C. -C. Interact with the show at billycboxing.com.
2: And we're back. You're watching and listening to The Billy C Show. Glad you could be with us today. And uh, back with us again is uh, Sal Rocky Sanicola. And Sal, before we uh, uh, went to break, uh, well, before I was chatting with uh, Larry, you and I were uh, talking about Lomachenko. Larry and I uh, both uh, uh, discussed a little more about him. But you and I didn't get a chance to talk about the uh, fight between uh, uh, Jamie uh, Mungaya. Uh, and Saddam Ali, Munga, uh destroyed uh, Saddam Ali. Uh, one minute and two seconds of the fourth round is when it was officially stopped. But uh, like I said to Larry, I thought this fight was, was basically over uh, after the first round. By, by the middle of the second round, Saddam Ali just looked like, you know, he was really uh, could have been seriously hurt if he wasn't. I mean, his foot footing wasn't there. Uh, I think his corner did him no justice in that fight. What was your thoughts?
3: You know, it's a debatable issue, and I listened to your segment with Larry, and I, I enjoy it so much because Larry is just such a—he's—he's he's, he's so so good, and everything he says and does with, with uh, regarding boxing. And uh, I follow him uh, closely, just like a hundred percent, all the same, uh, feeling the same way about a lot of issues. And you know, it's so correct in your your assessment of that i think something happened after that first round where he wasn't the same and you know like uh, larry was saying also this could have been a definitive fight for saddam ali we'll we'll see if he can recover from this fight it only takes something like this to, to really be have the beginning of the end for a fighter's career and uh, this may have been that definitive fight and uh, we'll have to wait and see who's next time out but man i'll tell you he uh, he was caught with left hooks to the body, but that left hook kept finding a home, and it it, it set up the right hand behind it. And Saddam Ali was on the receiving end in, in the fourth, all four rounds, and uh, the fight could have been over after the first round, after the assessment of the corner and seeing what he was going to do. But Bill, then you, then you'll have the other half of the uh, side saying, ah, they stopped it too early, they 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 quit, or they did this, they did that. You never know. It's such a delicate balance of what you see as far as the referee being the judge in that ring at the time to call those kind of shots. And, yes, it's predicated on what he can assess for himself, what's in the best interest of the fighter. That's his job. Uh, but, you know, they're open to criticism, whether they do or whether they don't. They don't. So I, I, I don't know which would have been the right call, whether you stop it at the end of the first round because you're a little bit unsteady on your feet going forward. Well, as I know, is that Saddam Ali was on receiving end of a of a rough night for those four rounds he lasted.
2: You know, I think yeah, I I agree with you that you know sometimes the decision to stop or not to stop um, is always under scrutiny, you know, by fans and and fighters and everyone else involved. Um, but you know, one thing I learned uh, over the years is that. You know, it's 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 a better scenario at the end of the day if if a fight is stopped prematurely than the alternative, which is a fight that stopped too late. And you know, with with the rise in, in concern over fighter safety and all athlete safety for that matter, um and when you look, you know, these guys are supposed to be trained. We hope that they're trained in seeing the signs. You know, not just yes. the doctors, not just the doctors, but the trainer. You know, the first guy, that first line of defense is the trainer. You have to assume that the trainer and the fighter know each other like no one else. They're in the gym every day, they know. Uh, you know, each other, Uh, the fighter, uh, the trainer knows his fighter, you know, when he's tired, when he's not tired, when to push him, when not to push him. These are all things that have developed with that relationship over time. And, and, and generally when a fighter and a trainer have that chemistry, um, you know, no one knows that fighter uh, better than, than the trainer. I mean, I've had fighters tell me that, you know, their relationship with, with their trainer is, is so special more than, than their wife, you know, that that the trainer knows them more than their own wife, you know. So um, with that said, you know, how a trainer like Andre Rozier didn't see what I thought. Now, remember, I wasn't ringside, but what I thought I was seeing from my couch in a guy that, had some weird look on his face. Saddam Ali was, you know, his his eyes were were just bugging out. He, he was like, you know, where's these punches coming from? He's almost like he couldn't see them, and they weren't coming at him blazing speed. This wasn't, you know, Lomachenko or or uh, Javante Davis hand speed coming at you. I mean, they were they were they were telegraph punches, and he just couldn't get of the way. And it just seemed like his body wasn't responding. The way it should, and then for the for the trainer to actually argue and try and make a case to let the fight continue when the referees started seeing the signs, and I agree with Larry that he should have just waved it off. Um, I, it makes me wonder what you know who's really looking out for this fighter.
3: Well, again, uh, you know, you think that Rosier was taking care of it, and maybe just maybe, you know, like I said, you're going to be open to criticism no matter what side of the aisle. You're on, and maybe Rozier was thinking that hey, he could turn it around. I know this guy; he's got fight in him. He's gonna assess it. He's gonna figure it out, and uh, we'll give him one more round to try and do that. You, you, we will never know because that's what a what a trainer, as much as and and, you know there is a special relationship with the trainer and a fighter, and and sometimes that special relationship, you know, knows a a, a trainer may know that hey, guess what? I've seen this. Yeah, before we've been in this position, he could turn it around or maybe he's going to uh, come out of it or maybe, uh, you know, you don't know. But like I said, a trainer is also looking out for his fighter's well-being and also for his opportunity to come ahead and win. And it's a rough game, boxing. You know, it's, it's not for the, 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 the faint-hearted. And uh, it's a rough sport. And, you know, like I said, you're going to be criticized on both sides of the aisle, whether you do or whether you don't. Rozier at that time decided to let it go. And, uh, and you know, we'll see what Ali does in his future fights. I, I think it's going to be a hard one to recover from. And like Larry was saying, this may have been the definitive fight that will say it's the beginning of his, the end of his career. But more important, it might be the signs of his future health condition. And that's that's really what the concerns are right now.
2: I agree, and and you know the the thing is when I first watched the fight the first time, you know I said to myself that they took this opponent lightly. Uh, oh Moon, yeah, Moon Gaia. I mean I Big didn't time. think that um, Saddam Ali looked like he was in great shape. You know he looked a little pudgy around the midsection. He did look pudgy in the middle. He, he yeah. did, right?
3: I, I mean you yeah, know I know so, you, you. So do I. Head. When you said that he looked a little soft in the middle, and don't uh, and you know he got caught with a good left hook there too in the body. Uh, A couple of times. But that left hook found a home. And as you said, maybe he wasn't right. Because it wasn't like he he was like, all of a sudden, Mr. Uh, Lomachenko coming up with a left hook you couldn't even see. This guy did have a a, a wide delivery, and and you could see it. But had Ali had his hand up in place, he would have caught those hooks. He did not have them. It was dropped. It was timed. And and, uh, he couldn't defend against it. Well... You know, the thing was, was that, uh,
2: you know, it seemed like they took him lightly. Uh, yes. You know, Moon Gaia. I agree. And then when he got rocked in the very first round, he never seemed to recover. And then I started seeing other signs. Not only did the look on his face of, of sheer, oh, my God, what do I do now? Yes, because that was definitely there, which you know yes. is is, and that's got to be alarming as like a trainer. A deer in a exactly, a deer in a headlight. And 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 I say to myself, if you're the trainer and you see this in your fighter, you got to know something's wrong, you know. And uh, so so once again, uh, the trainer doesn't do anything about it. But then if if you ignore all those things. When he was doing the Billy C shuffle after nineteen scotches, when he couldn't find the canvas with that right foot, and and he continued when he came out, when he came out for that following round, for the what turned out to be the last round, he wasn't stable. His footwork, it, it just the way he was his the way he was moving, it he wasn't right. And uh, I, I I agree with with Larry and what you uh, agreed with Larry with too. I, I think that this could very well. Uh, have been a uh, career-ending fight for this kid. And Saddam Ali, let's uh, you know, uh, let's make sure we make no mistake. I mean, th- this guy, you know, he did arrive as a champion, kind of unexpected. He was supposed to be an opponent for Koto's farewell fight. He wins, and uh, you know, I, you know, I wasn't really sold on him to begin with. And you know, everybody's uh, uh, anointing Moon Gaia as the next, you know, great fighter and everything else. I wasn't impressed with him. Yes, he had punching power, but I thought he was extremely slow. No defense. I don't see him being competitive with some of the other junior middleweights, uh, like uh, uh, specifically, um, you know. Uh, well, I guess he moved up to uh, to middleweight now, but I, I just don't see him being. Um, and, and I, I was talking uh, I can't even think I just lost my train of thought it must be an age thing I must be getting close to your age uh, Sal but uh, I, I just I don't I don't see him being that competitive maybe I'm wrong maybe, maybe the punching power uh would uh, uh, will, will carry him through like it does with with, with uh herd but uh, I don't know I don't know they're talking about putting herd and, and him together I want to see charlo and herd but I don't know what, what's your thoughts?
3: I think you know he he did show that he's got some power, he's got some pop, and like I said, he counts on that left hook, and that hook was was finding its target in the in the liver and uh, on the head in the head, and uh, but Saddam Ali, I I'll tell you, I agree also. I I don't think he was a world beater. I think he beat beat an, an aging Cotto, uh, and obviously, I I think another person had. A look of worry and concern on his face was Saddam Ali's father uh, ringside and uh, he knew his son was was hurt and uh, you know like I said I just hope that he recovers well and we'll see him out there again I, I didn't think he was a world beater to begin with so I think uh, this fight just exposed exactly what was going to happen with anybody of a world class level that may have stepped in the ring with him I think he was slick I think he was good but uh, you know uh, any given night And that was not his night uh, When I had my brain lapse I, I had Dimitris Andre on the, on the
2: yes. uh, tip of my tongue And uh, you know Dimitris moved up to middleweight uh, But you know under the guidance of uh, Star boxing and banner promotions <laughs> it Doesn't mean he fights uh, The guy the the poor uh, The problem with Dimitris Andrade is he just doesn't fight enough But that's a guy uh, You know that I wouldn't mind seeing Fight Mungaya. Uh, or uh, you know Jared Hurd, like we were saying uh, earlier, but um, e- either way, there's there's a there's a new guy in town. He's got a belt, oh, yeah. and uh, uh, he ought to uh, uh, do well. A big young uh, fighter. Uh, amazingly, they they both same thing with Lomachenko and and Linares. They both weighed the same at the weigh-in, uh, mm-hmm. and then you see them on fight night, and they just look. Uh, I you know these guys. <laughs> I just, you know, I guess it's even if 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 both fighters are able to to weigh, uh, for argument's sake, at, at a middleweight limit at one sixty for the weigh-in, and they're both weighing one eighty-five for the fight.
3: I mean, uh, I just okay, I don't like it, I don't it, like it, it either. Is, I, it's I would not rather a good representation of the weight class. Well, that's number the, one, number two. two. Uh, you know my feelings. No, I, and, I, and I I'm I with you. But you. No, you no. My emotional nerves.
2: No, here. but you're right. You're right. I, I I think that the 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 weight classes should be, and and you know. The, the whole reason they made so many weight classes was uh, the advent of all the sanctioning bodies. The weight classes mean more belts, more sanctioning fees. You know, I, the weight classes back in the day, if you think about it. It was eight. You know, okay, but the swing, yeah. the swing in size is yeah. relative to what we see today. You could That's see right. a guy like a middleweight fighter back in the day. Um, you know, you could see a guy stepping in to fight at middleweight that weighed 150 pounds and he's fighting an opponent that weighed in at 160 you know if you're going to go from welterweight uh to to a middleweight or or you know a couple of weight classes lower i mean you did see that span of weight uh but today what we're seeing is you're seeing guys that are that are drying out dehydrating themselves to make weight and then they they turn into a different guy you know it's like uh you know uh uh, filling up a, a a balloon of water. You know, you got this small little thing that's uh, fits in your pocket, and then all of a sudden, uh, a balloon <laughs> of water. You know, I mean, and that's that's what happens. But uh, uh, anyway, it's uh, it's disheartening.
3: But um, uh, and, and it is it, Bill. And, and you know, I I would want to be an advocate of seeing the same day weigh-ins. Uh, I mean, I think medically it would be better for the fighters, even though fighters are assessed. Uh, uh, you know, by drying out and weighing that on the scale. And sure, it could be damaging or or critical to, to some level, some fighters that are coming down more than they should. But the bottom line is, you know, why don't we look at you? You're Like I said, when you're weighing in 24 hours, maybe 36 hours before, before the fight, you got a long time to rehydrate yourself. And you could lose that weight and you could rehydrate. And, and eat and do this and that like you suggested, you could be 20 pounds heavier than the weight class you were on. you, you stepped on a scale for just a, a day earlier. But you know at least when you have the same day weigh-ins, you know you, you weigh in 160 pounds, you come in 159 and a half three quarters or 160. You know what? If you need to replenish yourself and, and, and uh, hydrate yourself with uh, food or well, I mean with uh, uh, liquids, you could do so. And what's the worst-case scenario? Maybe you'll get in the ring uh, either bloated because it's your system or or you, you're you're not going to be any more than 10 pounds heavier, 8 pounds heavier. And, you know, that's a little bit more reasonable than somebody coming in 25 pounds over the weight limit they, they stepped on a scale with a day earlier. It's just when you see, in, uh, even with the
2: Linares-Lomachenko uh, fight, you know, you are watching these two guys on on the screen and you know, if, if there clearly is a bigger man and a smaller man. I mean, the ba- you know, when you looked at uh, Jorge Linares's back, it just looked, you know, twice as wide and you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. You know, I, a lot of reasons why they they changed the way in uh was for uh, you know, television, you know, uh give a promoter a chance to find a replacement if the guy doesn't weigh in or et cetera, et cetera. You know where it all boils down to money. It's, it's all, the money. money's the driver, you know? And the, the worst thing about it is clearly dehydrating yourself the way a lot of these fighters do uh, on a regular basis, you know, to make weight is not a healthy thing for your body. So, you know, what, what's so hypocritical to me is everyone crying about the safety of the fighters, but then they go ahead and do stuff like this. It's, it's the same thing with the ABC. Of, of boxing rules there you know they don't do anything to to really they they say they do but they really don't you know and uh it, it's it's a shame it's it's a scam salad and and uh you know they're everybody's saying that they care oh we, we we're we're looking out for the fighter's safety
3: and yet some of the precautions that they could make they don't do you know no but, they don't and like I said. They'll, uh, they'll change the rules back one day. You'll see same-day weigh-ins. They claim that it was better for the fighter not to have to tear himself off and, that, with that, and, and replenish and put the stress on the body. And that's one of the reasons why they did it the day before. But then you're going to send them come back and say, well, we realize this now, we're going to do this. They're going to change it. It's going to be an ebb and flow. It's going to be, well, we thought this, now we're going to think that. And it just happened. I just want to see them put 15 rounds back in the world ti- championship title bout. Because I still think that 13th, 14th, and 15th round will be the definitive rounds that you that 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 a champion wins a fight. Um, half,
2: half these young fighters can't even go four rounds.
3: You I know, know? I, it, it. it's a I joke. I know, Bill. And, it, it, it kills me. It kills me. I know to I, but, watch these things.
2: But but you know what I think you're going to see. I, I don't think that you're going to see um, same day weigh-ins as much as I would love to have them, Sal. I'm with you. Don't get me wrong. I'm I'm with you. I know. But I think what's going to happen is you're going to see more rehydration clauses in contracts. I think that that is the happy medium between the two. In other words, uh, the contract states that you make weight, but you must weigh in again the day of the fight and not be allowed to rehydrate, you know, whatever the... More than 10 stipulated. pounds. More than, than 10. ten. Pounds. No, that's I generally mean, that, it.
0: That would be a
3: hell of a limit. Okay, hey, well, that what? a lot These of them do... In the- a yeah. lot of
2: them do that. A lot a lot of them have that stipulation, especially yeah. with fighters that are moving up in weight and are fighting bigger guys. They they, 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 they invoke a, a rehydration clause, which is, in a sense, the same thing as the same day weigh-in, if you think about it. Because Well, you think you know, about it. If, 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 that's
3: what I'm saying. If, right. They shoot each other in the foot all the time by making these rules and then counter them and having safety clauses or ABC to go to. And that's, that's the dovetail of the rule. No, they create a rule. They, they create a rule.
2: What they do is they create the loophole for the rule. Then they create the rule so that they, you know, so that they know how to get around it. But, uh, uh, in any event, uh, let's, uh, let's take a short break here. When I come back, I have a, uh, email. Uh, that I want to read, and uh, we will uh, take it from there. So uh, don't go anywhere. We're going to take a short break, and then uh, they'll be right back. We'll be we'll, we'll be right back. Don't go nowhere. Billy C.
0: will be right back, part of the Billy C. Boxing Network. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now, or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? Thank you. Thank you. That's billycboxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at billycboxing.com.
2: And
0: uh, we're
2: back. You're watching and listening the Billy C Show. Glad you could be with us today. And uh, before we went to break, I said we had an email to read.
3: Sal, you ready? Yes, sir, I am.
2: All it's from Joel. He says, hey guys, I was curious if you heard about this Bare Knuckle Fighting Championship pay-per-view that takes place on June 2nd in Cheyenne, Wyoming. They're advertising it as... Uh, That only experienced boxers, MMA fighters, Muay Thai and kickboxers are allowed to be involved But it seems mainly a lot of past their prime MMA veterans are the ones taking part with a few boxers as well I believe they've tried to present this to over 30 states Which all turned them down until Wyoming was willing to do it Uh, Wyoming was also the state that uh, allowed Tommy Morrison to fight uh, Even though he was HIV positive by the way um, he says, it's a $30 pay-per-view, and I feel it might be worth checking out since it's going to be the first sanctioned bare-knuckle competition in the United States since 1889, which I don't know if sh- is true because Bobby Gunn fought for uh, a bare-knuckle uh, sanctioning. He claims to have the linear title, so I, I don't know uh, about that that cl- claim. But anyway, he says, do you think this could be successful or will it be a one-hit wonder? He says, I'll probably order it uh, since it's on Fight TV, which incidentally so is this show. Uh, he says, uh, they're carrying it. Just curious on your thoughts. <laughs> and good old Joe, man, he's, he's like a commercial for us. And so I'm going to read what he writes. He writes. Uh, I know you wrote a great book on Tom Molinow, which you can still buy on Amazon or through Billy C.'s website. Love love uh, and uh, and Molinow, Fort Bear Knuckle. So I know you would uh, have experience if something can exist. Well, will it be successful? Um, thanks for the accolades, Jolie. We, we love you here on the show. But, uh, um, you know, I, my honest opinion on this one is that I do think it would be successful for a short term. I think it would be similar to um, you know, like the the Tough Man Contest or something like that. It'll draw the <clears throat> white beer-drinking, NASCAR-watching, truck-driving fans. Okay, let's call it like it is. That's the fan base it's going to attract. They're going to love it. You know, I, the funny thing is, and this is the God's honest truth, I, I got to admit that I, I worked with this guy. I'm not going to mention his name. But he was in the South. I won't mention the state, but it was the state of Arkansas. <laughs> You're not mentioned um, a lot. Things, I, I won't mention you. the state, but it was the state of Arkansas. Um, you know, I, and they actually had a title that fighters would be proud to fight for called the Trailer Park Title, okay? And um, this type of crowd, which I have nothing against, this type of crowd is the crowd that'll love this. Now, with that said, I think initially, everyone would want it because of the curiosity factor. I know myself, I I would like to see a true bare-knuckle fight. Um, I I doubt that we would ever experience uh, the types of bare-knuckle competition that was taking place during Tom Molyneux's day. It was uh, brutal. But for the curiosity factor, I think that having one or two of these might go over well, but then to continue it, I think that the audience that they would attract is is the uh, white beer drinking pickup truck driving redneck, if you will, uh, crowd. And you know, I'm not well. I'm not saying it in a negative way because you know as well. Come on, Sal. You know as well as I do where you happen to be that some people are very proud of a brightly colored redneck. You know, so I I mean, it is what it is. You know, but uh, but I think that it would be popular for that crowd. Uh, but I don't think it would be a long-term thing. What do you
3: think? I think it would be. <laughs> come on, interesting. come on, come on! I would, on. I <laughs> would love on. to see it. Hey, you know, you know the last great bare-knuckle fight I saw.
2: Was in the back? Was it in uh, like in your kitchen or something? I mean, yeah, you know,
3: no, Charles Bronson in Hard Times, right? oh, a no. It's a movie. <laughs> yeah. Well. I, yeah, the movie. Yeah, the movie. I, we're talking movie. Yeah. You no, know, I'll tell you what. It does have me curious. I would like to see it to see if it is a true bare knuckle fight. Uh, and with that being said, it, it, hey, you know, would something like that be a flesh in a pan? And and uh, it depends on what the demand would be. And I, I think a fan turnout would definitely drive its popularity to uh to see how far it can go uh i'm curious enough i would buy it just to see the bare knuckle uh, sy- sy- uh systematically be followed and and if it could be uh, a good exciting uh turnabout and fight that would be good but uh you know uh i, I don't know if it'll sustain a level of real good success but we'll see
2: I got to give another. uh, We got another super chat. Don't forget tomorrow, super chat Thursday. uh, But my man Johnston uh, can't wait till Thursday. He wants uh, uh, everyone to know, and it it was something that I was hoping. I I know it was true. I I saw it on the wire today. I didn't really want to talk about it, but now that I got a super chat, Johnston says the WBO is ordering Mugaya to fight Liam Smith. They got thirty days to make a deal before it goes to purse bid. You know, I feel that's kind of unfair. Um, to Mugaya, to be honest with you, the WBO ordering a uh, a mandatory fight for the kid's first defense. I mean, he's, he's a last minute stub. He steps in, he upsets the champion. Um, obviously, Golden Boy and uh, and or, or no, uh, uh, who had uh, it wasn't was Golden? Yeah, th- uh, you know what? I think Golden Boy, Golden Boy is Saddam Ali's uh, uh, promoter. They. Um, Uh, They did not. They were so cocky they didn't even put a rematch clause in there. Uh, So uh, I I think it's unfair. I I was hoping that... Uh, would get a chance to have a voluntary defense, maybe make some money. He didn't make much money for this fight. And Liam Smith, it, although it's a, a big fight overseas, it's not so big over here. So I'm not so, sh- so sure how much money he would get. He certainly won't uh, get on uh, HBO or anything like that. And just for the record, uh, based on some comments I'm seeing in the chat room, I, I have nothing against... Uh, bare knuckle boxing as a matter of fact nobody's more of an a, an advocate for bare knuckle boxing than myself I wrote a book about it and 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 I'm very uh I'm very uh, up to uh, you know up to date on on the history of bare knuckle boxing uh it's just that the sport has evolved and I, I think that the bare knuckle boxing situation here is is a curiosity factor a novelty I think it'll it'll do okay as a matter of fact I think DirecTV had a bare knuckle a uh, boxing uh, thing going on. Uh, they they did a couple of them, and then it fizzled out. So, I, and I I just think the same uh, here. I think it's a curiosity factor. I think the first ones may go over uh, well, but then after that, uh, you know, unless you get some big names to get some interest in there, I, I just I don't think it's
3: gonna I don't think it's gonna carry through, Sal. Bill, you know, it's it's curious, and, and one of the reasons this is too, you know, bare knuckle fighting and boxing. it's going to open a lot more uh, uh, variables that come into a fight. One, you're going to see a lot of broken hands. You've got to have a certain fist to absorb. Don't forget, you know, a lot of people think uh, wraps and gloves are so you don't destroy your opponent's jaw. No, it's really to protect your hand, too. The way you wrap your hand, it's supportive of keeping the bones from shattering uh, also from when they hit, Contact when it when it's a fully delivered blunt punch. Uh, that's one of the reasons why we wrap our hands. Another one is is yes to protect uh, your opponent and yourself. And inside that glove, uh, it does protect the hand. And you know you you'll have to see also. You know sometimes protruding knuckles, as dangerous may be and good in boxing, they may be also more prone to being broken in a in a street fight. So. You're going to have to see uh, what's going to evolve on that level, and you're going to see a weeding out factor of who's going to be able to have the tools to uh, withstand a, a career bare-knuckle fighting.
2: Well, the other thing is, is last time they've been doing bare-knuckle boxing, it actually wasn't bare-knuckles. It was a bare-knuckle glove, um, not quite an MMA-style glove. Um, but, uh, I mean, the knuckles were exposed, but the rest of the hand— uh, was, was covered. So it would be wow. curious to see what, what they would do. I mean, if you're going to do bare knuckle and if you're <laughs> claiming, if, 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 right, well, if you if you're, you're going to do bare knuckle <laughs> and you're claiming it's the last sanction, it's the first sanctioned bare knuckle fight since 1889, then you better fight like they did in 1889. Uh, and it would be interesting to see who was even man enough to, uh, to do that. But, uh, anyway, we got our trivia question from okay. yesterday and, um, Uh, you guys are going to be, I'm a little surprised. But uh, the question was, it was a who am I question. I once stopped a world champion in less than a round. Then in my very next fight, I stopped his brother. Who am I? I gave a hint yesterday, one, and I was ready to give several more hints. Uh, I gave the hint yesterday that uh, this particular who am I was a former world champion. And Luke Thunder Breslin was correct. He said... It was Stanley Ketchel when he Stanley knocked out the Stanley. Sullivan Twins, and that is correct. Stanley Ketchell wow. fought in February of 1908 and disposed of the then reigning welterweight champion, Mike Twin Sullivan, and three months later, he knocked out his brother, Jack Sullivan, in the 20th round. So uh, congrats to uh, Luke. Now, here's wow. the thing. I'm going to make this public. Luke had just recently won Uh, a trivia question and he got the prize that we were giving out a uh, uh, a copy of the uh, title about championships computer game so I made uh, Luke an offer I said I tell you what hey Luke if you're the first one uh, to get the next trivia question correctly then I'm gonna (laughs) basically foot the shipping cost to England and send him his choice of either a t-shirt or uh, a copy of my book if he doesn't have it, uh, or anything else I might have. I have some other books and some other stuff. Uh, so uh, uh, if he can get uh, this next uh, question, and if he can get it, the you know, be the first guy uh, to get it, then uh, he will win. If somebody else gets it, you will win your very own copy of the title bout championship computer game. Here is the question. Which boxer had the fewest pro fights under his belt after having met five world champions? Wow. Which boxer had the fewest professional bouts under his belt after having met five world champions? If you're the first one to email me, the correct answer, Billy at Talking Boxing, that's dot com. You'll win your very own copy of the title bout championship computer game unless you happen to be uh, my man, Luke Thunder Breslin. If you're the first one, Luke, you're going to get what we talked about. So email me, Billy at Talking Boxing, dot com. Question one more time, which boxer had the fewest pro bouts under his belt after having met five world champions? Uh, you want to give this one a shot there uh Sal um Jack Dempsey great answer but uh <laughs> no no I'm sorry it isn't but that that's a good answer that's a good answer for you uh it, it, it's, it's, it's it's a good answer me. it's a, a good answer, good answer for me. you it's a good <laughs> hey, it's a good answer for you huh uh, but uh anyway hey don't forget boys and girls tomorrow is super chat Thursday uh, so uh, it keeps the lights on. You know what I mean? So uh, I'll get your questions, comments, concerns, uh, opinions. Get them uh, part of the show. All of that. Uh, Tamara. So, uh, and speaking of Tamara, how about before we say that, on this day in boxing history, May 16th, in 1998, Jean Baptiste Mendy uh, wins uh, a 12 round decision over Orzbek Nazarov. Uh, to win the WBA World Lightweight title. That took place in Paris, France. It took place in France. On this day in 1987, Santos Lassiar knocks out Gilberto Roman in the 11th round to win the WBC World Juno Manweight title, and that took place in France. That took place in France on this day in 1929. Former World Heavyweight Champion and Boxing Hall of Famer Max Baer makes his pro debut with a second-round knockout over Chief Caribou uh, in California. I love the names back then. Chief Caribou. Caribou. On this day, 1977, Muhammad Ali wins a 15-round decision over Alfredo Evangelista to retain his WBC and WBA World Heavyweight titles that took place in Maryland. On this day in 1975, another Muhammad Ali uh, flashback. Muhammad Ali knocks out Ron Lyle. This was great fight. I loved Ron Lyle, okay? I love great. his story. I, I, I remember seeing him the first time on TV and saying, oh, my God, look at this guy. He looked like a, a, an Adonis. He was chiseled never lifted weights either by the way all push-ups and stuff. Yeah. Uh, Muhammad Ali knocks out Ron Lyle in the 11th round to retain his WBC and WBA World Heavyweight titles place in Vegas. this was the fight that Ron, Ron Lyle was famous for saying he shouldn't they shouldn't have stopped it they're <laughs> like yeah right Ron go watch the videotape they, they saved your life and finally on this day in 1955 Rocky Marciano knocks out Don Cockell in the ninth round. Uh, To retain his world heavyweight title. And it took place in San Francisco, California. Uh, The Rock would fight one more time. Four months later. And he would stop Archie Moore in the ninth round at Yankee Stadium. He retired at a meaningful 49-0 record for a heavyweight. Hey boys and girls. That concludes our show for today. Make sure you tune in tomorrow morning. Same bat time. Same bat channel. Until then. I'll leave you with this. Ciao, baby. <laughs> <laughs>